Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Imagine with me for a moment that you are walking along the beach that goes alongside a massive lake. It's early in the day, but already the sun is rising and the heat is beginning to get to you. The beach is a bit rocky, it's uncomfortable, it's hard to get purchased with your feet, and there's sharp grass trying to grow up in spots along it, making it even more difficult to navigate. Along the shore, there are some clusters of trees, but not really enough to get shade under if the heat gets too much. In the distance across the lake is a brand new city, not even 10 years old, but it is a symbol of the empire that occupies your land and is a constant reminder that you are not your own person where you live. Up ahead, you see a crowd beginning to gather. You're not sure who they are or what they're doing there, but you're intrigued, so you keep walking, keep walking along the way. You see the fishermen coming in off the water to hear and see what the crowd is about. Normally you might be with those fishermen doing your work to earn what you can for the day, maybe enough to eat for you and your family. But something has kept you off the water today. Maybe you've injured your shoulder and you can't do the heavy lifting. Maybe you slept in and you missed the launching of the boats. Whatever it is, you're not sure that you're going to earn what you need today to be able to feed yourself and those you love, and you wonder what you will do instead. As you catch up to the crowd, you begin to see that someone is sitting just a little way up the hillside, and you hear that he is speaking. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed, blessed, blessed are you. How would that feel to hear that promise, those words, when your entire life has been tied up with what you can earn. Though these words are pretty familiar to now, to us now, 2,000 years after they were spoken, they would have been revolutionary to the audience that was hearing them for the first time, and they should be revolutionary to us now. Because they're not just nice words, they're not platitudes, but they are a vision of a new way of living. For Jesus, who will spend his ministry proclaiming the kingdom of heaven and its nearness, these truths of the Beatitudes are the foundation that that kingdom will be built on, almost like a, a constitution for a new life. But this kingdom is nothing like the empire that Jesus' audiences would have known. As commentator Amy Moiso says, 
God's purposes are to lift up those who are burdened and broken, shoved to the margins and left at the bottom of the heap. The Beatitudes, she continues, reflect what God values, not how to curry God's favor. These are not tasks that result in rewards. Rather, when we align our aims with God's, we are formed and shaped towards God's purposes. End quote. The Beatitudes are not just platitudes, but principles to govern our lives and to show us a new way of living. Today is All Saints Day, when we remember all those who have grounded their faith in Jesus Christ and the kingdom of heaven he promises to all those who believe in him. The two readings that we hear today show us two visions, two different visions of the kingdom of heaven. While Matthew in the Beatitudes lays out its ideals, Revelation shows us its triumph. Now, both of these readings are meant to bring comfort to their audiences. Matthew reciting, recording what Jesus preached to the poor and destitute that were in front of him. And Revelation brings bring, brought comfort to the community of the church of its time that was undergoing active persecution for its faith. Now, like so much of the New Testament, the book of Revelation does this by citing the Hebrew scriptures, in this case, the prophet Isaiah, which was a promise from God that God's people would return from exile. Isaiah says, they shall not hunger or thirst Neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them down, for the one who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. It's a promise that God will never abandon God's people, but will bring them home. But moreover, God's plan for salvation is all-encompassing and casts a wider net than we could ever imagine. Now, immediately before the chapters of Revelation we heard this morning, we get that famous or possibly infamous listing of 144,000 souls that will be saved. It's 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And some corners of the Christian tradition have really latched on to that number, insisting that only that number of souls will be saved in the kingdom of heaven. But immediately after, the book of Revelation says, and after this, I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God. So yes, the book of Revelation is promising that the people of Israel will be a part of that salvation. But it goes on to say that the crowd is innumerable and representative of every corner and culture of the earth. There is no limit to who can experience God's salvation. And so while this vision of the kingdom is a fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah, it is also a promise that God will shelter all those who desire to know God 
and to know God's Son. We don't earn this salvation. Nothing we can do can make us worthy, but it is a gift freely given from God through the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. The Beatitudes are the foundation that that new way of life is built on. And baptism, which we are going to celebrate in multitudes in just a few moments, and the covenant that we will proclaim together help to set us on the path so that we can live into the truth of those Beatitudes. It is how we enter into this new way of life here and now. Together, these two things, Beatitudes and baptism, they give us a pattern to follow and they flip the normal expectations of this world on its head. The world will tell us that we are defined by our achievements, by what we produce. It will tell us that our value or worth is based only on how impressive our job title is or how many finger figures our income is. In contrast to that, Jesus says, blessed, blessed, blessed are you. He says, it doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from. There is room for you here. This is a kingdom where all of those who have known what it was to be forgotten, put aside, marginalized. It is where all of those and more are reminded that the worldly powers do not hold their own value and that we are all raised up and given the chance to praise God, that we are given the chance to flourish in the sight of God. All Saints Day is a reminder that all the saints of God, those whom we love and see no longer, those whom we welcome into the church today and those who surround us right now, and all those who are yet to be born, will all be sheltered by God's all-encompassing love. We are all shepherded by the Lamb and guided to springs of the water of life where God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Blessed, blessed, blessed are you. Amen.